Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Hallelujah. Everybody doing okay this evening? Amen. Yeah, someone said they're just glad to be here. Amen. Appreciate the Lord for that. Hallelujah. This time of year can just be so peculiar at times. Um, Over the years, uh, my own estimation of things, and we were kind of joking about it a little bit this morning, about... uh, sad or seasonal affective disorder uh, that happens and I feel like sometimes it almost just even overtakes a whole church um, I come in here sometimes d- during the winter time and it it just feels so oppressive during winter months in particular you just almost feel just an oppressiveness like we come together and we're just trying to get through it just trying to get through it. Is it is it all right just for real right now? I mean, they got the app out there now. Be real, and you take a picture, you know, whatever. So this is just real. That we come in, and we're just trying to get through it. Just kind of even just through the mechanics of a service. Just get through it, you know. Let them alone. Just fill the spots that need to be filled. And uh, if they can just get me out, and I can get home, and I can just curl up somewhere in the corner you know, and be done with it. And uh, there is, I no doubt, a seasonal thing to that, but sometimes, you know, the enemy can just use common things um, to plague, to plague his, to plague God's people with. And um, I don't want to have to get to a place every winter that I'm just kind of trying to make it through the winter, right? We don't, we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. I'm not uh, by no means ignoring the fact that people are sick. And that's going to be the case probably every winter to a certain degree. There's going to be sickness. There'll be voids. There'll be vacancies. And, uh, but we, we, you know, we still try to come in here. And I know you, I'm, I'm talking to you all. You're all here today. Uh, but we come in here and we just try to put our best foot forward. And try to engage and ask the Lord to help us and touch us. I just don't want this to feel like just like work that I, I'm not enjoying being here when I'm here. Because how many ever just feel like sometimes you just feel obligated? Feel obligated. And when you ask yourself, when's the last time I enjoyed being here? When's the last time you enjoyed being here? Um, and, and we got to look deep into our... You can be seated. You all right? I'm sorry. Make you stand. Someone will faint because their knees are locked and such. So we got to ask ourselves, when's the last time that we enjoyed, you know, being here? Um, and whenever we start looking at these type of things, uh, we can... Uh, and this is... We can look at maybe various reasons why or excuses of why uh, 
let me say it like this. This past, this past um, summer, probably already going into the fall, uh, we've, had a, we've had a pool in our yard for several years now. I used to put it up every season and then get it back out, and that was stupid. Number one, the grass grew back over the place where it had set. And so it was like starting from scratch all over again, Brother, Brother Josh. You had to clear the ground again, level it up, which I hated the first time I ever had to do it. So it's not like I was going to like it the second time or the third. And so I said, this is baloney. We're going to leave this thing up. And so it did. And so we tarp it now each year and, and so on and so forth. And through these seasons, I've always... I've always weed-eated around my pool. I don't have, like, blocks or wood around it. I just go at a real slow speed just to kind of get the weeds. Never was an issue. Never was a problem. Until this going here toward the fall season, I'd already tarped our pool. We had done a lot of traveling and stuff, and we weren't in it, so I tarped it while I was gone. It just stayed tarped, ready for winter. Hallelujah. And... uh I, I, I changed out the particular type of trim wire that I used in my weed eater. And so I'm going about the pool as I normally would every other you know, week of the summer when I have mowed and with this new trim wire. I don't know if it was the size. I don't know if it was the edging on the trim wire went the same speed. And lo and behold, Brother Ethan, you guessed it. Water starts issuing forth from the side of the swimming pool, right? I nicked it. It, it not even visible hardly uh, to my natural eye, but I nicked the swimming pool. And so water's kind of eking out very slowly, nothing drastic whatsoever. I kind of pushed my finger around, and I nicked it. Well, folks, it's tarped. You know what I'm saying? It's tarped. I don't want to put on other clothes at this moment in time. I'm not ready to go snorkeling right now into the pool. It's tarped. And so what do I do? Eh, it's not that bad. Maybe some dirt and stuff will collect and seal the hoe off. Right? I mean, it could happen. Right? Maybe it will seal itself. So I just leave it alone. A few days go by. I'll go out there once in a while to see that the ground's a little moist around where the spot is. Eh, give it a little bit longer because I didn't want to untarp the pool. I didn't want to get in the pool. I didn't want to do any of this. And so I went out eventually. I don't remember how many days it was. I went out to Rural King and got me some Gorilla brand pool patch tape. And it says plainly on the Gorilla pool patch tape that you need to apply the tape from the inside of the pool. I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to untarp the pool. I don't want to get in the pool. And so me being the brilliant human being that I am, I cut off this, this patch tape and I applied it to the outside of the pool. And so I applied it to the outside of the pool and I pushed on it real well and it got something to roll over it for five minutes, however long. And I left it there and as I left it, I seen little little traces of water like a tear down a face just coming out from around the tape. And I left it that way for a few days. 
I go out and check it every once in a while. How's the moisture on the ground? Run my finger around there. Can I feel anything? Of course I could because it needed patched from the inside. And so I bit the bullet. I put on the old clothes. I got out a snorkel mask because I wasn't going to hold my breath for five minutes of trying to row this thing on the inside. I'm down in there, and I got my patch tape out, which it's quite a thing anyway. It's got a backing on it, and you need to really get it off the backing on the pool quickly. You can't just take it down in there. And so I'm sure you all really need to hear this, right? This is really helpful. I'm ministering to somebody right now. And so whenever I was doing all this, I was putting this on uh, the inside of the pool, and I'm rolling, and I got, I'm telling you the truth, I got like an oversized spoon in my hand because it's nice and rounded and I'm rubbing up and down and all over. And do you know that whenever I climbed out of the pool, there was no trace of water coming. There was no, a few days went by, the moisture in the ground all dried up. And the fact of the matter on the instructions, it says you can put it on the outside as long as you put it on the inside first. And although it was damaged from the outside, it had to be fixed from the inside. They even tell me today things that I have read that any wound that we get in our body, no matter how deep or shallow, how invasive or not, that healing of wounds for people's individual's body must always happen from the inside. I feel the Holy Ghost just come in here. Always must happen from the inside. We do the care and we, of course, get the bandages and we get uh, the, the triple antibiotic ointment and we put the salves on there and all of that is fine and well, but that is not what heals the wound. That just keeps infection from the wound. Cleaning it, the dirt, and the dirt, that's not what heals the wound. Healing must come from inside. And so what I'm getting at in my full circle roundabout is this. We sometimes can point, you know, fingers at why is it like it is right here, right now, at this season and time of the year. And what I'm just trying to just gingerly say, if it's a problem, it's probably going to have to be healed from the inside. It's probably going to have to be healed from the inside. Sister, Sister Adams, I, I, I might be able to say, well, it's because it's getting dark earlier. It's because there's so much sickness that's just proliferating through the church. Or it's just this or it's just that. But sometimes we can find ourselves going through typical seasons, even in our spiritual lives, of growing cold and indifferent at certain times of years, amen, of the year than we would other times of the year. Amen. We can find ourselves more prone to things. And what it comes down to is a healing that needs to take place on the inside. Now, you can slap whatever you want on the outside. Well, a good fellowship meeting will take care of it, and it doesn't take care of it. Man, if they'd start out game night again, that was that, that. If they started game night again, that's what would take care of this thing, and it don't work. If they would just sing the faith, you know, all the different modes come in when in reality it's, it's a relationship problem. There's got to be healing that takes place on the inside. And I'm here to tell you as a pastor, I'm going to be here 100% with you. We'll, we'll provide a, a salve and we'll use the triple antibiotic ointment and we'll clean it and all of that. But you, we cannot fix a wound and it will not heal unless we get to the inside of the problem. 
The Bible says that a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And it says in, in, in Proverbs 18, verse 14, and you don't have to get these, that the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear, right? Because if it is the spirit of the man that sustains the infirmity, but there's something going on with the spirit of the man, then how will the infirmity ever heal? The Bible says in Proverbs 17 and 22, a merry heart doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit, it dryeth, it dryeth the bones. And so we find ourselves in times and in this particular season of life, it seems like sometimes we are dealing with broken spirits and woundings and injuries that can only be healed from the inside. Uh, it reminds me of an old cartoon from years and years ago. How many like peanuts? And I'm not talking about the kind you eat. I'm talking about the comic. All right, peanuts. There's Dakota. He likes peanuts. Well, in this particular comic from years ago, I remember seeing Charlie the Brown, Charlie Brown, the Brown, I said. <laughs> Wow, call me Paul the McGee. Or, uh, but, uh, Charlie Brown's team was behind 98 points to zero. And you can imagine. And he's standing on the pitcher's mound because they played baseball, right, commonly, and football at other times. But he's talking to himself, and he says, Boy, I must be stupid to stand out here and take a beating like this. The other team is laughing at me. My own team hates me. I'm a lousy pitcher. My stomach hurts. I don't know why I played this game. I must really be stupid. Lucy, the encourager that she is, came over to console him and said, Charlie Brown, you can't go on like this. You've got to change your attitude. The years are going by and you're not enjoying life at all. <laughs> Just remember, Charlie Brown, that the moments you spend out here on the pitcher's mound are moments to be treasured. And we're, we're not going to be kids forever, Charlie Brown, so cherish these moments. And so then Charlie Brown, he finds his bootstraps. He pulls upon them with determination on his face. He pulls at the bill of his cap. He rears back and he fires a, a pitch toward the plate. The batter swings and rips a scorching line drive right back at the pitcher's mound at Charlie Brown. It knocks Charlie Brown off the mound. His glove goes one way. His hat goes the other way. He lands flat on his back and then lying there, he surveys the situation and says, this is a difficult moment to treasure. And we've all found ourselves there. Of years going by and not enjoying life at all. Let me couch it in these terms. Of services going by and not enjoying them at all. Because there is a sense of responsibility, right? I'm a Christian. There's a sense of responsibility that I show up Sunday morning for 10 a.m. service and Sunday night at 6 and Wednesday at 7 because I'm a Christian. And this is, this is, this is my obligation and, 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 and this is what makes me a part of the church. Right? 
and I stand when they sing because that is customarily what First Apostolic Church does. And some come to the front just out of the general response of repetition. Is everybody okay? <laughs> because this is what we do. This is who we are. I raise hand calf, half cocked whether I feel like it or not. Right? Because this is what we define church as. I clap whenever it's appropriate because I have learned behavior that this is when it's appropriate to clap. Everybody okay? I don't know what God's doing tonight, but he's doing something. Amen. Because this is when it's appropriate to clap. And so you can go by and by and you're not enjoying it at all. And you may even look over your shoulder sometime and wonder what am I doing and find yourself even in the church house sometimes thinking that there are some difficult moments and perhaps the winter season is one of them. This is some difficult moment uh, to treasure. And so we, 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 we again, we, 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 you may even be there right now tonight. And I'm feeling like maybe some people are that whenever the bottom has dropped out of your world and even your spiritual world, right? that you deal with sometimes a broken spirit, really a broken spirit. And here's the thing, as a pastor, let me tell you tonight, I commend you, I commend you for still showing up. I commend you for still going back and praying whenever you just feel like it's just a lost cause even to utter a word. I commend you for still standing and singing. I commend you for still throwing up a hand. Amen. Because you know, you know that the Lord, he wants worship and praise and adoration. Amen. That he desires all of these things, but sometimes we're just dealing with a broken spirit. And the truth is this. Whenever we've went past that moment in time and we're zealous and we're happy to be here and we're happy to be a part and we're feeling the power of God and we're not just raising our hand because we feel the obligation. We're doing it because mm, you know, I really feel that. The fact of the matter is you'll get to another stage of life in your Christian journey that you won't be feeling that. But you'll be doing it anyway. What I'm saying is that isn't necessarily a negative thing, nor is it necessarily a positive thing. Amen. On either accounts. But whenever we get the internal, when the internal gets fixed, when the internal gets fixed, then all those other outward expressions of the internal become fixed and healed as well. You may have scars, right? But a scar is just a proof that you healed from a wound. We're not perfect people. We have blemishes. Some try to hide them. Right? Huh? You know, got the mole or whatever it is. Got something from some time past. But in reality, they are just the testaments of having healed from some wound. And we mask sometimes our feelings, right? Because this is who we are as humanity. Right? This is who we are. Everybody's a liar in the church. They are. 
Everybody's a liar. I understand one thing about just delivering all the woe is me and everything when someone inquires about you. But there is a happy there is a happy medium between that and giving the I'm fine lie. How you doing? You doing all right? Everything all right? Yeah, I'm doing fine. You're not. You're not. You tempted just not even coming. You're not fine. But you hear. Right? I mean, you could go to the other degree and tell me about every little episode. And yeah, I'm not really necessarily signing up for that either. But there's nothing wrong in just letting somebody else know in this thing called the body of Christ. That it could be better than what it is right now. Or that I'm struggling just a little bit tonight just to even be here. Or I, for the past several weeks, I don't know what it is. It just seems like I just, you know, I just can't get that connection. Huh? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. As a matter of fact, I'd rather you do that than me try to pick up on the other little cues that are coming off of you and trying to interpret. They got something wrong with me or they, they you know, trying to find that. You know, two turns to the left, one turn to the right. What's the combination here of what's going on right now? Amen. And so we, we are going to find sometimes these feelings of hurt and sorrow and confusion and anger and all these things. They're going to usually some way find their way of expression. Amen. Because a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. And some are better than others hiding the feelings that's in their body on their face. Some are pretty good. But there's others. You horrible at it. You horrible at it. It'll show up on your face or you'll project what you're feeling towards something else when it's not that. You're just dealing with stuff right here right now that you don't want anybody in on or inside. So I'm going to project frustration or anger here, there, and other places so that it removes the attention from me. Right? I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody digging below the surface with me. No, we'll, we'll make it that, you know, they didn't talk to me right or something like that. We'll do that because that would be a whole lot better uh, to process than really be honest. I don't know what I'm doing tonight, folks, but I'm just talking, okay? Really be honest about where I am. But a cheerful, a cheerful heart maketh a, a, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. A cheerful countenance. God, in the beginning there of Genesis, and I'm glad you'll have a timer up for me. I appreciate that. Amen. God, in the beginning there of Genesis, and the story of, of, of Abel and the story of Cain, uh, those first two boys of Adam and Eve, and Cain and his brother goes out to the field, and Cain takes the life of Abel, and the Bible says whenever they return and the Lord has some conversation with Cain, that God knew that, that, that Cain, God knew that Cain was displeased with him. Even after they offered up their sacrifices, Cain and Abel offered up their sacrifices. And remember that Abel brought of the firstling of his flock and in due time, Cain brought of the ground and the Lord was pleased with Abel's sacrifice, but was displeased with Cain. And God knew that Cain was displeased with him because the Bible says Cain's countenance had fallen. Cain's countenance had fallen. And uh, if Cain had masked his, dis, his displeasure, uh, 
from God, do you think it would have really been hid from God? If he put on the cheerful countenance, do you think he'd have really had it hid from God? No, would not. Would it have been hid from Abel? Possibly, yes. But it wouldn't be hid from God. And so we're willing to be fake with one another, but understand we can never be fake with God. He knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly the frustrations and what we're feeling and the doubts and the not being on point. He knows exactly where we are. And so hiding his displeasure was not, or for Cain would not be the remedy to his malady, not at all. So what I'm trying to get at is this. Don't excuse hiding your hurt and your pain as protecting those that are around you or even as trying to protect yourself because in reality sometimes what we call protecting others or protecting ourselves is just doing us more harm than good amen the man in new testament scripture another case in point here he is he is a man he's got a deformity in his body his right hand is withered the bible says that that would probably go without uh, too much inspection to understand this guy has a drawn up hand. That would be quite noticeable. But the Bible says when the Lord came to him and he was going to heal this particular man's hand, he asked him to stretch forth his hand. It's as though that it was somehow pulled back into the folds of his garment. And he asked the man whose right hand it was that was withered, stretch forth your hand. And the, the man with the withered hand could have, just for the purpose of being who we are, save face, put out his left hand. Hmm. He could have put out his left hand in order to protect from himself from what was really going on in his life that he wanted to keep concealed from anybody else. Right? This is my problem. I'll deal with it. I'll bathe the withered hand at home. I'll tempt all the normal duties of my life in the privacy of my house with this, and I say this respectfully, with this handicap. But whenever I'm in public, I'm going to walk the dog because I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. I don't, I don't want anybody to have to contend that I might really have some problem that's going on. He could have kept the real problem in the fold of his garment and extended his left hand. But had he done that, he would have left, amen, from the very presence of the Lord with the same condition, with the same problem, with the same circumstance. It's only because he had the courage to take what was wrong and put it forth in the presence of God. You asked me to bring forth, you didn't ask me to bring forth what was whole. You asked me to put forth what was withered. And I'm not, I'm not going to play the game if I have it all together. I'm going to put forth what is wrong right in your presence. And he leaves that day with that thing that was shriveled up, straightened out and whole. And it's going to change his home life. It's going to change his life in public. Why? He was willing to admit I've got something wrong that I can't fix. 
Amen. I got something wrong here that I can't fix. And there are times that I believe in the church we are, we are uh, bearing some unnecessary conditions, so to speak, because we don't want to put it in the presence of God. Huh? I don't want to place it. You say, well, Brother McGee, I, I got some physical. I'm not talking about even physical ailments. Sometimes there are some things in our lives. Amen. It can be unrepented of sins. You hearing me now? In our lives, uh, 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 repetitious temptations that lead us to that place. In our lives that we're just going to keep tucked in. Because I'm, I'm so and so or I'm such and such and I'll deal with this at home or I'll deal this, we'll deal with this in the privacy of my own life. Amen. But the countenance for Cain and for what it states in Proverbs is a good, a good indicator, if you don't mask it, of the state of the heart. And by the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken job said this in job 14 and verse number one many people are familiar with this verse of scripture that man is born of a woman is few days anybody know the next part what'd you say and full of trouble few days it kind of goes back to this morning as uh, Solomon writing the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Please remember your days for many of them is going to be troubled and dark and gloomy and despair. It's just a few days and full of trouble. And so sorrow and trouble. Listen, I'm not, I'm, I don't believe we got to look for a devil under every rock. All right. Uh, there was a generation, oh, well, it's the devil, and it's the devil, and it's the devil. Well, listen, the overall picture is this. Transgression entered in, and the, the serpent was a part of that. Okay, it is the devil. But since that has been life since the garden, part and parcel, then this is a part of life. Trouble, sorrow, despair, man loses his job, student flunked. Might be that might be more in life. That might well, but nonetheless, some some a relationship went skew. Someone missed a promotion. Someone said, "Oh, that's what's God? That was the devil." There are just some things that just come down to life. And Job said, "It's the repetitious beating of the drop of water against the stone." That wears the stone away. Everybody likes to go down to the creek bed and find those stones. And they're all just so perfectly rounded. And they're good skipping stones. And they're just, oh, they're so beautiful. They're so nice. But we must understand when they first landed in that waterbed, they were jagged. They had de de defined edges. And it was only because of that little, although it may not be much, current of the water constantly passing over that, it began to wear the edges off. Job said, that's life. Sometimes it don't have to be something gargantuan. It's just all the little things. The constant flow of the current. Huh? Just the constant flow of life. This sorrow, that disappointment, this thing that just constantly begins to wear. Everybody, anybody ever felt wore down? 
Huh? By just life. Amen. We have all these things that happen. You know, we have a relative and, and they're, they're, they're a, a, a drug addict. And we have, uh, you know, somebody else in our family. They're diagnosed with cancer. Someone else is being rushed to the ER. You know, all these different things happen and it's just life. And let's be honest, these type of things plague our everyday lives. And note what the psalmist said in the Psalms. He did not say, he did not say, I will meet no evil. It's not what the psalmist said. He did not say, I will meet no evil. He said, I will fear no evil. Which unspoken means he's going to face evil. Hmm? He's going to face some unpleasant times. He says, I will fear no evil. Why? Here's the secret sauce. For thou art, thou art with me. Amen. There it is. Thou art with me. Amen. Even Jesus Christ was informed to these sorrows as a human being, as humanity. Isaiah wrote of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and said in Isaiah 53, and we know this, but sometimes we need to be reminded of this concerning our Lord, that he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He's talking about Jesus we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Jesus Christ, absolutely. He met the lady at the well, and the Bible says when he got there that he was wearied with his journey. He had went on a journey from there to make it to Samaria, and when he got there, but she was the purpose for him arriving, right? He wanted this divine intersection with her. He wanted to share with her the gospel. He wanted to tell her how he was the living water and she would drink of him and never thirst again. But he was sitting there doing ministry tired. Huh? He showed up when he felt like going to sleep. He showed up at the well when he didn't feel like being at the well. I'd like to take a rain check. Does tomorrow sound? Maybe next service. But he showed up when he didn't feel like being there. Oh, someone hear me right now. And it absolutely translated the life of that woman who the Bible says went back to Samaria and told a whole city of Samaria everything that this man had told her and speak to her so that now there are these people from Samaria coming out from there. They have on their white robes, which was typical for the Samaritans. And that's when Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, say it's not four months into harvest, but look now, the fields are white. He wasn't talking about the literal field. He was talking about the white-robed Samaritans that were cresting the hill that came based upon the testimony of a lady that he ministered to at a well when he didn't feel like being there. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so broken, broken spirit, all these things sometimes is just a fact of life. Amen. In reality, some of these things are even a, a byproduct of of love, and as much as a cliche it may be, it's still very true <laughs> in some respects that it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all, right? Because you can't be really hurt by anybody you don't care about. 
why you're doing this to me tonight, but that's okay. So in the context of a church, when we want to separate or move on from here to another green pasture because somebody hurt us, you better thank God because you could only be hurt by them because you felt some kind of closeness to them. is a testament that I must have felt love at that place. <laughs> Amen. I must have felt love at that place. Amen. And so, so here's Jesus, and I, I'm going to try to find some place to shut up. So this time, even right now, this is a pilgrimage. This is a journey. This is something for us to pass through. Jesus, a man of sorrows, yes. Acquainted with grief, yes. And if we love and if there is a closeness, if there is a relationship, we will know the pains of a broken spirit. We will know the pains of disappointment. For instance, consider the story of the life and the relationship that Jesus had with Lazarus. Jesus had a relationship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, all of them that are related. Oftentimes, whenever Jesus went to Jerusalem, uh, he stayed at the home of this family. Bethany wasn't too far away from Jerusalem. It was kind of on the outskirts. And so he would stay with his friends at Bethany. And so here we have the story, though, that Lazarus, of course, has died He's dead. He is pushing up the tulips. He's taking a dirt nap. He's, I ain't going to go through all the little phrases of death, but nonetheless, he is dead. And there's an instance, as you know, there in John 11 at the grave of Lazarus, that shortest verse in the Bible that says that Jesus wept. There's an instance that he is there standing and he is mourning. This is Jesus Christ for crying out loud. And he's mourning. He wept. And there were those that even, this is not something that he kept to his own person. There were those that were in the vicinity. This was a public matter before the people. There were those around him that heard him and seen him crying there because of the death of Lazarus. And note what it was that the people said about Christ Jesus Standing, weeping, and evidently a little disconcerted about the condition of everything. The Bible says these people, you know what they said? Here came their strong judgment against Jesus. See how he loved him. See how he loved him. Jesus wouldn't be feeling this right now if he had no grand connection to this man. Huh. And I, I'm not being uh, insensitive or anything, but uh, uh, and, and please understand me. Someone could nail it to the cross here right now. But every little new, every new obituary that comes through all the different places of the United States, I'm not like crying my head off in my. Uh, yes, I'm disappointed for those homes and family, but I have no sense. I don't have no sense of relationship to these people. I have no relationship. So there is no real sense of loss to me personally. But Jesus is weeping because he loved this 
man. And his mourning in many essences is just a byproduct of the love that he had for this man. He's a man. Jesus was a man of sorrows because he loved much. He was acquainted with grief because he loved deeply. Stand with me. I'll bring, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who. What is my name? Listen, I don't, I don't, there's no reason for us to look at one another when we are going through these times and say, well, they're just being childish. No. And, Brother Fred, I, you relayed this to me just sometime, and I'm not stating this story or anything that you relayed to me, but the gist of it is this. It's so easily to judge a circumstance when you're not in one at the present time. It's so easy to judge another's depression, another's disappointment, another's coldness whenever you're not standing where they are in the moment. And we go off just of what we see with our eyes, what we can hear with our ears, but we don't know when no one else is around. As I said before, the struggle that someone went through just to be standing behind a pew when they arrived. Can we close our eyes all across this place? But the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. I'm going to open these altars tonight, and I know maybe this has been peculiar. It has to me if it's not been to anybody else. I have felt the Holy Ghost at different junctures along the way in this little talk tonight. And I'm asking somebody just to look, look at the pool, if you will, one more time. Are you willing to allow the levels that are on the inside to be lowered by a slow leak that's on the outside that you're just unwilling to climb inside and fix? Because the end result of my little pool story that I started out with is this. Had I never got on the inside, the levels of everything on the inside, by the time pool opening season came next year, could have been totally depleted and void altogether. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm crying out to someone tonight. Do not wait till you reach that spot to climb in on the inside. And I'm here to tell you tonight as my as as your pastor that if you need to get in there, I'm willing to step foot in there with you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.